Hey, Ryan here. Does your company have a commercial or industrial IoT project coming down the pipe? Reach out to Vary and let our world-class specialists in hardware, software, data science, and design bring it to life. We needed to be prepared for when, you know, the, the momentum really hit and this connected home space, the smart home space really took off. You're listening to Over the Air, IoT, Connected Devices, and The Journey, brought to you by Vary. In each episode, we have sharp, unfiltered conversations with executives about their IoT journeys, the mistakes they made, the lessons they learned, and what they wish they'd known when they started. Welcome back to Over the Air, IoT, Connected Devices, and The Journey. My name is Ryan Prosser, CEO of Vary, and today we're joined by Jason Williams, President of August Home, Yale Real Living, and Smart Residential Global Accounts. We've talked a lot on this show in the last few weeks and months about hardware is hard. Today, we're going to be talking about software is hard. Jason, thanks for being on the show. Yeah, Ryan. Uh, thanks for having me. Excited to be on Over the Air with you. Cool, man. So, you know, I think a lot of people are probably already familiar with Yale, probably already familiar with August. You guys are kind of the OGs of the IoT space, but for the, you know, for the few folks out there that aren't as familiar, give us uh, Yale, August, uh, give us the story, 30,000 foot view. Yeah, so uh, Yale's been around forever. Uh, we've been making door hardware, door locks for over 180 years now. August, not quite so long. August uh, was an acquisition we had late in 2017, really focused on smart locks and, and that IoT space. We've been uh, together now for four years and you know, it's been a real great marriage between hardware and, and software, which I know we'll, we'll talk about a little bit more in a minute. So, yes, we will indeed. So, so you, you mentioned August. I think it's a really interesting part of the journey. You guys have been doing hardware since, I don't know, some like in the middle of the 19th century or something, it seems like, was when you guys kicked off software much newer for you guys. We talk with a lot of people on the show, um, and then, of course, at very that understand hardware deeply software is is a new as a new piece of this you know they, they're looking to add intelligence or uh connectivity to the device that, that maybe they've been making for a century or, or more what what is what can you tell us about that journey and, and like let's pick up the story prior to the acquisition i i know that you guys went into it with one mindset around software can you talk about about that yeah, I mean, and, and I do want to. I do want to say one thing. I mean, I, you know, we're talking to talk, talk about software being hard, but hardware is absolutely hard. So all the all the other podcasts you've had about that are absolutely right. We just have happened to do it for a long time, and so we've gotten really good at it. So so yeah, let's let's go back and, and really, you know, the story begins for Yale back in two thousand and nine. You know, that's really when we decided that we wanted to start the journey and, and get deep into the the smart lock space you know and and you know so we we kind of laid out a strategy and that strategy uh you know really revolved around getting the the best hardware that, that we could produce and and, and you yeah, know i think we executed really well on that when it comes to software number one we we procrastinated a little bit to be honest with you and we decided to choose a path forward that was not super software intense and it really was around partners. We, we wanted to partner with the folks that were kind of growing up and evolving in this smart home space that could help us bring our products to market and get the most out of them. And the funny thing was, I mean, it wasn't Amazon or Google or, or Apple in, in those days, right? It was, 
you know, smaller companies that, you know, you, you probably had never heard of back then, you know, so, somewhere in the security space, alarm.com was one that was just kind of getting started. Control four was another one um, more in the CDS space. And so really we, we relied on those partners that, that first, you know, year or two years that, uh, that, that we were in the market, we, we launched our first smart lock with Yale and uh, September of 2011. And, and, you know, those partners really helped us get to market. And it wasn't until, you know, probably 2012, 2013, where we really started saying that, hey, you know, this, this partner strategy is great, but we need to, we need to control our own destiny here to a certain extent. And that's really where, where software came in, came into play. You know, we, we, at that time kind of sketched out a, a plan where, you know, we, we did have to go and create our own, you know, mobile applications, our own backend infrastructure with servers and, you know, the reality is we, we didn't really have anybody on, on, on the team that was a software expert. You know, we, we hired some folks that had, you know, been in the space and kind of understood it, but, but not, not really the experts. So, you know, we set off and, you know, we, we, we went and worked with a, I think a great little company that, that helped us kind of, you know, design that software. And what we realized was it, it, it took, it needed to take a lot more than that, right? We, we really, Funded. We funded two to three people, you know, it was kind of the two guys in, in the garage type concept. And, you know, we, we kind of took some time. We probably took longer than we needed to. What we came up with was, was something that worked. It was, it was okay, but it wasn't a world-class software, uh, piece of software that could scale up to millions and millions of users in billions of transactions on, on a regular basis. And, and that's where, I mean, you know, we, we realized, and, and it was even before we got that in the market, we realized that we weren't going down the right path fairly early. And I think that was part of you know, our salvation, if you will, was that, that we, we knew we screwed up early and we you know, set off on a parallel path. And that parallel path is really what led us to acquiring August Home back at the end of, of 2017. We identified this you know, IoT startup, the Silicon Valley-based company that you know, they were quite the opposite of Yale, right? They had their foundation in software. They had, you know, let's call it 80, 100 software engineers working for, for them. And they developed this world-class platform. You know, they were, they were pretty good at, at door locks too, right? They were pretty good at hardware, but software was really what they, what they excelled in. And, and so, you know, we, we set out, we, we acquired them. And, you know, from 2017 to today, it's really been about driving their software into the Yale hardware around the world. Um, within 12 months, we had our first <clears throat> Yale lock in the U.S. Uh, driven by August. Uh, it was called Yale Connected by August. Uh, and then over the last 12 months, we launched platforms in Europe and, and Asia, both utilizing that same platform. And, you know, we, we couldn't be any happier uh, now that, you know, we, we, we are on the right path and, and we, we have what we think is the best solution in the world. But it, it, uh, it, there were some bumps in the road. It was not easy. And, you know, we learned the hard way that software is, is hard. It, it's more than, than, than those two guys in the garage. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's an entire organization in, inside of, of Yale in, in August that, that is getting that job done today. Yeah, you know, I think the, the acquisition story is fascinating. What, like, talk a little bit about the integration of those two cultures. You know, what we hear a lot is, you know, hardware doesn't lend itself supernaturally to this agile thinking that a lot of 
uh, or methodology that a lot of software practitioners live and breathe by. H how have you guys blended these two cultures? You've got this 150-year-old hardware company that has you know a lot of rigor and discipline around building excellent products, and then more of a like Silicon Valley you know tech-infused software in its DNA company. What has it been like stitching those two together um, to get the most out of both of them? <laughs> It, uh, it, it, first of all, it's an ongoing process. Um, you know, really, I mean, if you kind of take a step back, if you look at Asaboy, the way we approach acquisitions, there's, you know, I mean, we've, we've bought hundreds of companies over the years. I mean, you can argue that Asaboy, you know, while we make lots of door locks, our core competency is, is acquisitions. You know, and in a lot of cases, you know, those companies operate on their own for, you know, for, for many years. Um, with August, it was, it was a little bit different because, we bought them, you know, for, you know, a, a, a reason, right? And that was to, you know, leverage the software to, to drive the Yale lock. So, you know, it, it, uh, we, we did kind of leave them off on their own for the first year or so. Uh, and then at the end of 2019, actually not too long before COVID is when um, I took on the responsibility of leading, you know, the, the August business as well. And that's really when that integration started, not only kind of from an engineering perspective, but, you know, sales and, and, and marketing as well. But if you if you look at the engineering integration, it really goes beyond kind of what we're doing in the U.S. Because that, I mentioned, that was kind of a global transition, right, to bring that platform into uh, into those regions. So it was it was much harder than kind of what it seems like on surface because we had engineering organizations, you know, multiple places in, in Europe and in Sweden where Asabli, our parent company, is headquartered. We've got some core engineering in Seoul, Korea. I mean, we've got, um, you know, pieces of engineering in the U.S. I mean, we've got engineering all over the world. And so that in and of itself, just integrating the engineering teams was, was a massive undertaking. And then the complexities you mentioned, you know, how do we, how do we get all these people that were focused on mechanical locks to understand how to incorporate the software development process into, uh, into the planning cycle and things like that. And, you know, it, it, it absolutely, as I mentioned, is a work in progress. You know, it is a learning process every day. And, you know, I think the good news is we're, we're, we're kind of, we're, we're definitely making that, that progress and, you know, we're, we're getting over those speed bumps and, you know, the folks that have been, you know, mechanical, mechanical, mechanical their whole careers, you know, are starting to, to get up to speed and, and start talking the, the software language. So, you know, I, I, I'm happy with, with how things have progressed and, you know, it's really going to start increasing our cadence of, of product development the, the more we, we get get down that path. So you, you mentioned mechanical folks and, and you used the word software language. I know your educational background, you know, back in the, when in college, uh, you, you have a, a degree in mechanical engineering. Any, any learnings you can share as a professional that you've absorbed in this process, it, you know, becoming kind of fluent in software, so to speak, that have pushed you in unexpected directions to make you a, I don't know, add some texture to, to how you approach business problems or think about developing technology-driven solutions? Yeah, I, I think, and, and actually it's even, you know, kind of to me higher up in, 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 the, in the hierarchy there, it's, it's really dealing with the people, right? Because, you know, the, the people that, that have created these, these mechanical products and, you know, with companies that have been around for hundreds of years, I think are, are, are very different from the people that are, you know, out in Silicon Valley that are starting up companies that work in that type of environment. 
And so for me, I've grown a lot just figuring out how to adapt to a different culture um, and how to bring these cultures together. I mean, it, it's, it's been a really a really big challenge, I think, for me and, and the leadership team. And, and you know, I'd say that's been kind of my biggest growth. With respect to kind of learning the language, I mean, it, it's, you know, making sure that you sit back and you listen to the people that, that know what they're talking about, that know what they're doing, right? I mean, I, 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 I don't need to be the biggest voice in the room. And if I'm sitting there with, uh, with our CTO, uh, Christopher Dow, and he's talking about, you know, software and the challenges, you know, I'm, I'm going to give him the floor. I'm going to listen to him. Um, and, and I'm just going to absorb. And so it's just been a, it's been a lot of learning for me. It's been an ongoing process there. And I, again, moving forward, just surrounding, surrounding myself with the right people that, that are experts and letting them kind of do their job and do their thing is, is, is I think the right, right place for me. Let's talk about product market fit, something we're sort of obsessed with at very, what you guys, like I said, you know, Yale is kind of the OGs of the smart home space. You guys got in really early real, and have established a, a pretty dominant uh, place in the market for, for the product that you build. What were the signals early on that were, you know, that caused Yale to say, hey, let's go do this. And then as you were doing it, hey, you know, here are the products and features or direction to take this product. I mean, I, a smart lock is a complicated thing to build, but a fairly uncomplicated idea. You know, that, I mean, I think there's a lot of value there that seems pretty self-evident. Was it so self-evident that you guys just said, let's go, this is an obviously good idea? Or was there market research? What, what will cause you, what were the signals that actually caused the business to say, let's invest, now let's invest more? You know, what, can you talk about that process a little bit? Yeah, and I've got to give credit to uh, to the to the executive team at, at Asaboy because they they brought me in to bring Asaboy in the U.S. into the the smart lock space back in 2009. And if you remember at that time, I mean the housing market was in shambles, right? I think 2008 2009 was was that housing market crash, and you know people in the building industry, I mean companies in the building industry were laying people off left and right. Yet the, the leadership team at, at Asa Abloy here in the Americas were, were setting their sights on building a team to you know, get started in, in, in this down market so that once it turned around, you know, we were ready to, to enter that smart lock space. So I think that's first and foremost, just having the foresight to kind of look beyond the, the existing situation and you know, place some bets in, in the future. And, and I think if you look at why they did it, I mean, it, it, was, it was pretty obvious, right? I mean, um, there, were, there were some big trends going on. And, and you know, I think we all know smart home has been trying to be a thing probably for 40 or 50 years, right? But you know, there, there, there was starting to become this technology um, swell and uh, in, in technology adoption. Really, I, I think you, you look at smartphones, right? I think it was one of the big things that you know really kind of signaled that that this was going to be a thing as people were walking around with computers uh, basically in in their hands. And so yeah, I think I think we you know we placed a bet and said that electronic locks, smart locks were going to be the future. Um, not only were they going to be in the future in residential, but also in commercial. And that's the other 
thing to know about Asa Aboy, our parent company in the Americas. I mean, we've got a huge commercial business where we're, you know, we've been selling electronic locks into, you know, universities and hotels, multifamily housing apartments. And electronics have been kind of a thing there for, for many, many years. So there were some signals in, in the commercial markets as well. So, uh, you know, so, so I, think, I think that's why we started off on the journey. You know, I think what, what kind of made us successful is that there was, there was a lot of patience within, within the executive team at, at Asa Aboy, right? They, they saw the vision. They knew this was going to come. And, you know, it, it, and it was going to take some time, right? And it wasn't necessarily Yale that was going to make things happen, but we needed to be prepared for when, you know, the, the momentum really hit and in, in, in this connected home space, uh, the smart home space really took off. You know, I wanted to ask you about your journey a little bit so that I think the, the product journey, that, that's, that's a fascinating story. And I think equally interesting is the one that you've been through having shepherded this company and this product along since the, you know, uh, basically the beginning of the, of, from a smart home perspective, what learnings can you share as an executive, as someone who has been, you know, got into the story quite, uh, the Yale story early? So, it, you know, someone's out there, they've just been hired to lead a, a, maybe a different hardware company through its IoT journey. And they're saying, hey, I know I'm early. I know that this is going to be a long journey. Jason, what else do I need to know? And I hear you saying, it sounds like you're saying, hey, one thing that's really important is your executive team needs to have a lot of patience. And if, you, if, that, if that isn't there, then you, right off the bat, you're on shaky footing. Is, is that fair? And, and what else would you say are important things to be on the lookout for? Yeah, I, I think that's, that is fair. That patience is a big thing in, in the executive team. Realistic expectations, I think, is another one. Uh, and that kind of flows from the top down, um, and it, it kind of goes hand in hand with patience. But I think from from a from a personal perspective, it's you know almost check your ego at the door, right? Which is I think I think a hard thing for you know for for some of us to do for sure. But you know we we had set out and we had a, a strategy put together, and you know we were going to address the the single family home, right? That's that's where that's why we built our product. That's that's where we were focused. But as as time went on, it was it was clear that smart locks were more than just about kind of being a gadget that fit within the smart home. And and yes, there are definitely a lot of reasons why you know people want smart locks in a single family home, right? There's that convenience, there's the peace of mind and security that goes along with kind of the, the digital key aspect of, of smart locks. But when you look at some of the other areas that smart locks have shifted into that we weren't necessarily planning for out of the gates, it, it's really what has led to a bit of an explosion in my mind of, of smart locks uh, here, here in the U.S. And a couple of those areas, one is uh, vacation rental. So you, I mean, you think of, of an Airbnb, who wants to kind of roll into, you know, Montana, Ryan, where, where you are at, two o'clock in the morning and have to, you know, drive 50 miles to find, you know, the person renting you your place and get a key before you can go, you know, get Carl into bed. You know, it's a big inconvenience. It's it's a big, the consumer experience just really breaks there. And so smart locks have, have been able to change that. You know, you roll in, you put a code in that you got, you know, three weeks ago and, and you're good to go. Apartment complex is another one forever. You know, we've used electronic access control on the exterior haven't been used on the interior doors 
Uh, and it's just caused headaches for management companies out there that have to worry about turnover, which happens at least once a year on average in, in apartments today. They've got to go in, they've got to change keys. There's a security issue with, with mechanical keys, right? You never know who has a key to your apartment home or your house. You never know when somebody uses that key. And so smart locks have just really changed the face of, of that industry. And you've seen you've seen a whole new industry pop up because of it. These property technology companies um, have have crept up over the last three, four, five years. And you know, their their selling proposition has really been access control. Now they've built some other things on top of access control, but it's really simplifying the experience, simplifying, making things more efficient for, for the management companies. And you know, smart locks have, have really come along for the ride. So I think flexibility, it was a long way to say it, but flexibility is really one of the keys, right? You've got, you can't just kind of get on a path and just be so focused on that path. You've got to be willing to make detours and, and uh, you know, have branches off of that path. So that's, that's one. And I guess the last one is you got to know when to call it quits, right? You, you got to know when to call it quits. Not everything you do is going to be the right thing. Um, you got to know when, when, when things are going the wrong way, how to pull the plug. Um, and and we, we've had to do that. I mean, I, I think not too many people are willing to admit that, you know, you've had to pull the plug on a product or a program, but, you know, we got in early with NFC. You know, we started working on an NFC lock, I think it was in 2000 and and uh, 11, 2012, shortly after we launched our first lock, you know, we thought that was going to be the next big thing. It was getting into, into all the mobile phones. And so we spent a lot of time, effort, and energy working on it. And, you know, by the end of, uh, we were betting on some things, right? We were betting on NFC kind of getting put out there by the, by the major handsets and usable for access. Um, and that didn't necessarily happen. And not, not only that, but if you looked at NFC, it was different across all the Android devices. It might work great on a Samsung, but worked terribly on, on a Google device back then. And so we just got to the point where the user experience wasn't there. We didn't have a technology path forward. And really, it was only Android that was out there. We couldn't tap into the, to the Apple side. They were just kind of getting you know, NFC working with, with banking at the time. And, and so we, 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 just, we finally pulled the plug and we said NFC is not going to be it. Not going to be it today. Let's let's switch gears. Let's go down the Bluetooth path, and then we we went running down that path. But pulling the plug, if we would have gritted our teeth and just said that, hey, this has to be the right path, we we wouldn't have made it, right? Because we're sitting here now in 2021, and it feels like finally NFC is starting to gain some some momentum. You know, now that Apple is kind of cracked the code on payments. You know, we'll see what what happens for access, but it's uh, I, I think it's it's finally coming, but. Five years later. You know, pulling the plug is one of these fantastically valuable topics that a lot of people don't want to talk about, you know, and, and a hat tip to you for, you know, giving an example of a thing you guys had to, to pull the plug on. We, I've found over and over the more rooted hardware is in a company's DNA the less likely they are to want to talk about it. You know, and we find that software companies say fail fast. Hardware companies say failure is not an option. And, and so, you know, if failure is not an option, they don't want to admit that it may have ever happened to them. And, um, but it does, of course it does. You know, we're driving tech, you know, this is how innovation works. You know, so you, like I said, you guys are one of the big brands out there. Um, I think anybody who has a smart home probably has one of your products. What's next for you guys? What, what are we going to, you know, th this uh, episode is probably going to air in October, November. What, what can folks expect to see towards the end of this year in 22? 
Yeah, I, I think, you know, if you look at what we've done and where we are, I mean, we, we've got great door locks, we've got great software, you know, we've got a scalable solution right now. And so, you know, what we've talked about for a little while is how do we build on top of what we have today? And for us, what that means is we want to drive a smart security story, right? And so that's getting beyond door locks. That's getting into things like smart storage. Um, so we launched a cabinet lock last year, which can, you know, electronic lock that can secure cabinets or drawers, um, valuables in, in your home, medicine cabinets, you know, keep things uh, away from the kids. So, so we're looking at products in, in, in kind of that space. The other, the other big one, and I think could, could you know, be, be really revolutionary is, you know, this concept of um, package delivery and in-home in-home package delivery, in-home services, secure package delivery. And so we started uh, shipping uh, a smart delivery box, a Yale smart delivery box late last year as well. All of these products tie into our mobile application, the Yale, the August app, um, you know, so you can grant access, you can control them remotely. And, and so kind of building out you know, continuing to build out the devices to leverage the software is really important to us. And, you know, I'm excited to, to talk about some of the, the relationships, especially in the delivery space that, that we are we are building, you know, better leveraging that delivery box so that there's a tight integration between us and, and our delivery partners um, so that they can seamlessly get into those boxes. They can lock, uh, lock those boxes behind them uh, so that, you know, you can order more often, you can order higher value things and not have it walk off your porch, which is probably a problem that a lot of us have, uh, have experienced. Maybe not Ryan, you and your Montana house. I imagine that's pretty safe up there, but uh, some of us that live in cities, not so much. Yeah, we don't uh, see a lot of porch piracy out here. That's for sure. <laughs> you, you mentioned partners, you know, you've been in this space for a while, you know, smart, you personally know smart home space pretty well. Who, who out there is doing good work that we need to know about? Get, let's plug somebody here on the air today. Yeah, I, I'm going to go back to the, the prop tech space that I was talking about, really multifamily housing apartments that has seen such a rapid rise in, you know, in access control and in smart locks. And, you know, really one of our first partners in that space, a company called Smart Rent, um, that we've been working with for, for several years now, their CEO, Lucas Haldeman, you know, brought together a great team, had a great investment strategy where I think in many cases he's uh, he's selling his product to to a lot of his his investors. And, you know, they they have really, I think, turned that industry on its head. And, and so SmartRent, I think, is a company to look out for. They recently, I think, went uh, public via SPAC. Uh, not not so long ago, um, so they're they're off to the races. They're they're definitely one to watch. Cool, you heard it here first. Smart rent. Last question. You know, for, we've got a lot of fans out there of of, of the the Yale product line. For folks that want to follow Jason's story, how can they follow Jason? How can they follow Yale? What are some great ways to to keep up? Yeah, I'm I'm always happy. Reach out to me at uh, at LinkedIn. Um, you can find my profile there. Uh, but also from a company perspective, at Yale Home and at August Home Inc. on Twitter, uh, best places to kind of keep up with with what's going on with with Yale and August as we continue pushing forward in uh, in the smart home space. Cool. So if you want to keep up with Jason, he's Jason Williams, somewhat common name, so probably Jason Williams, comma Yale or uh, or August will, will get you there. Well, Jason, appreciate you being on the show. That's, uh, that's it for today, folks. My name is Ryan. Thanks for listening. We'll see you guys on the internet.
All right. Thanks for having me, Ryan. You shouldn't have to worry about IoT projects dragging on or unreliable vendors. You've got enough on your plate. The right team of engineers and project managers can change a pivotal moment for your business into your competitive edge. Very's close-knit crew of ambitious problem solvers, continuous improvers, and curious builders know how to turn your ideas into a reality, on time and up to your standards. With a focus on mitigating risk and maximizing opportunity, we'll help you build an IoT solution that you can hang your hat on. Let's bring your IoT idea to life. Learn more at verypossible.com. You've been listening to Over the Air, IoT, Connected Devices, and The Journey. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to hit subscribe in your favorite podcast player and give us a rating. Have a question or an idea for a future episode? Send it to podcast at verypossible.com. See you next time.